What up, bros? What up, bros? And welcome to Bra Meets World. When it's Bra Meets World. <laughs> this is a very special episode. Um, we are going to talk about racism. <laughs> Siege, why would we talk about racism? Has it been in the news recently? <laughs> if you've been alive during the year of 2020, you have... Notice some things. If you're listening to this in the future, congratulations. I didn't know we made it this far. If you are listening to it now. Congratulations on making it this far. Yeah, exactly. There has been a rise in the number of deaths by black citizens in this country. Um, Um, I'm sorry, a rise in awareness. A rise in awareness. I was going to say, it's been like last time it was like back to back like this i remember it was like 2016 um and what was funny is that also happened right after pulse so it's like in america right after we deal with one huge tragedy we're like why don't we just get back into racism (laughs) let's hit up the classics you know what it feels like you know how like um you know the when you watch a movie from like the 80s it takes forever to get through like it feels so slow because our attention span is so short now that we need something immediate to fill like our entertainment span um i feel like we've gotten like that with like news events like yeah. you know like with like <laughs> Do the Twitter, like, something tragic can happen, and we'll go through the full cycle of emotions in, like, two hours. Absolutely. I remember there was something where someone was like, what happened to the murder hornets? And someone replied, that was the filler episode. Like, <laughs> Yeah, 100% it was. <laughs> We're past that. <laughs> that was something for the writer's room. Um, the audience wanted more. But, yeah, we are... Dealing with the protest and the revolution, really. Um, Rebellion. National rebellion. National rebellion in the wake of the death of George Floyd and Ahmaud Aubrey and Breonna Taylor and countless others. The list goes on. I mean, the list could literally just go on. And I do want to say, I know that like throughout this episode, we kind of will, you know, make jokes and have nervous laughter here and there. Uh, first of all, do not tell black people how to respond during this crisis. <laughs> and second of all, we're doing what we can to get by as we always have. Absolutely. I think that this week, let's just let's just talk about where you and I have been, like how how you come from it, where you know, let's just express ourselves, I guess. Um well, you know. I kind of avoided watching the video for a long time. I never um, watched it. it. Wasn't, I've yeah, never seen I, it because I don't need to. I understand what happened. A hundred percent. And the only reason I saw it was when I saw the national response to it. I was like, oh, I want to be included in this conversation. But I really had no interest in watching the video, as I typically don't have interest in watching any of these videos, you know? Yeah. Um, so I, I think that was one thing. But it's watching the video was this thing that, don't get me wrong, it's it's horrendous, right? Um, I've seen so many videos, mm-hmm. you know, 
that when I was watching it, my response was more of just this overwhelming of numbness. It almost reminded me, I've, I've been rewatching Roots with my fiance. And, um, by the way, awesome, bro. It's on Hulu. I can't stress this enough. Juneteenth is coming up. I, it's amazing. Anyways, I'm watching Roots and there's this scene, you know, the famous, you know, your name is Toby. I'm yeah. Pizza Kente scene. And you're watching these slaves watch another slave get like a beating. And some of them are in tears and some of them just have this stoic look on their face as if they've just, they're numb to it from seeing it so many times. And I, I, I don't know if that was purposeful, but it's a feeling that when I saw characters react that way, I felt like, oh, that's my response. That's how I felt when I saw the, the video of just this numbness of seeing it again and not knowing what's, how to, how to, how to feel about it, you know? Yeah, absolutely. And I'm... Um... I think that while the nation grapples with its relationship with racism and police brutality and all of these other things, black people have been, black people have had to revisit and reexamine their wounds and the way that they've been coping with all of these things. And very much like you said, I was like, I don't need to watch another video. I don't need to see what happens but at the exact same time i just felt the weight of knowing that there was another thing to the list of things that i cannot do in america without threat of dying you know and i think that that is one of the things that people really don't understand when you are black in this country and one of these events happen there's always a running list of things you should be doing in order to, you know, not antagonize respond properly. Or yeah. Respond properly or prevent yourself from being in a situation. And lately, I mean, with Brianna Taylor, who was in her own house, and then Mind with uh, Ahmad Arbery, who was like jogging. It's Mind his damn business. Mind his damn business. It's just we've gotten to the point to where. So just Being existing. Yeah, yeah. Just like I'm I'm existing and therefore my life is up for debate. And I think that that's what's really, really interesting. Um, anyone who's ever followed me on Twitter or Facebook, you guys are going to hear a lot of the same talking points that I've been saying. But one of the things that I found very interesting was that I posted, Black people say our lives matter. America says debatable. And that post alone turned into this three-day conversation in my Facebook that at the end of it, I was like, do you guys even get the point that you're debating, which is exactly what I said would happen? It's like all of a sudden, all these people came out and they were like, well, what about this? And no, not all white America. And I suffer too. And I'm like, what what are we doing here? What is this? You know what I do love about everything that's going on? Um, and, you know, I we can talk about how genuine some of these corporate responses are. Oh, my God. But there are so overwhelming 
the, I, I I hate to call it a bandwagon, but what else are you gonna <laughs> call it, right? This bandwagon of just like Blackout Tuesday, you know, people kind of, you know, uh, people who never expressed interest in black rights or black equality before, companies that you know are into some super shady shit, making these public declarations, Apple who has sweatshops talking about how they're going to do all they can for equality, shit like that. You know what I mean? You mean like and, the NFL coming out and saying um, Black Lives Matter and everyone be like, nah, son. Colin Kaepernick is like the (laughs) first one who came up. We had this national conversation with all of America when Colin Kaepernick knelt for the very first time. Yeah, and everybody took a different stance. And the point I love is that now that everyone has either by pure pressure or otherwise felt the need to join in on this conversation in the pro-Black Lives Matter uh, group – we can now hold so many people and companies accountable for shady bullshit going forward because all I have to do is scroll down and see your black post that you did on Blackout Tuesday to know that you should have black people on your board of directors, know that you should have you know black voices in your writer's room. These are things that we can actually hold people accountable for now. So that's kind of an upside, I think, from this whole national conversation is that um, it's almost like me too for black people. Like we yeah. can call people out out now and they they are forced to engage in the conversation they would have otherwise brushed off absolutely and i will say like for most of you who know uh i have a white boyfriend and we've had a lot of conversations and not all of them difficult but he and i had a conversation this morning where he was like i've had to re-examine my allyship over decades he's like this really brought to the forefront all of the different ways to which i thought i was progressive and ahead of things and in reality i needed to do better i needed to be better i needed to think differently and i think that that's also a very big upside is a lot of people black included but a lot of people are re-examining what it means to be pro-black and pro-progress. I love it. Like it really has, and it's it's such a shame. It's such it's heartbreaking that it took a death to catapult a national conversation. But we've seen this. We saw this with Emmett Till. We've seen this with Rodney King. Like we've seen how you know the you know disregard for black lives can sometimes now always. Sometimes a video doesn't go viral. Those lives still matter. Um, but we've seen it, you know, fuel this change where, you know, everyone is reexamining how they play a part in the movement. And what's great is, is that it finally feels like everybody is having the same conversations that you and I have literally always had on this podcast. Yes, exactly. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> like examining, like, was that racist? Was that sexist? Should we rethink that? Was that Okay. Um, I mean, it's it's I'm, for example, I work for a company that decided they want to have a social media response to this and I'm their social media person. (laughs) So being a black voice in the room, I was able to to nix things like we should make the post blue instead of black. And I said, that's not a good idea. (laughs) I know blue is our our company color, but in this instance, we don't want to use the color blue for this. It, It just it helps to have you know, these conversations and it helps now people seem to be more accepting of them. Also, even if you're not accepting, one of the beautiful things that I found in my freedom during this time 
is to just be like, I don't care if I'm ruffling feathers. I don't care if I lose friends. I don't care if I lose followers. I don't care if jobs when I interview in the future are like, well, you were very vocal about I don't care. Like this is literally about line in the sand. This is literally about my life. This is literally about my existence. This is literally about my ability to have friends and children and family members and colleagues and neighbors and other people in the world exist without threat of dying at the hands of police or vigilantes. And if that bothers you, well then turns out you and I were never gonna be a match. And it's just great. I love it. We can finally <laughs> call white people out on their shit, guys. We can do it. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think we've always been able to do it, but I no, no. Tell that to Kaepernick. No, oh, I, well, I feel like we've always been able to do it, but there has been this fear of the response. You have had to soft pedal the real. Exactly. You can never just call someone out. You had to say someone was racist in a nice way so they wouldn't get offended that you called them racist for their racist shit. Exactly. And I think that I like that we are entering into this era of calling shit shit. I was watching this. I've been watching a lot of documentaries and stuff, but Same. I was watching this documentary that called the 13th and they pointed out something that i think is fantastic which is in the 1960s late 1960s during the civil rights movement they made being arrested a badge of honor and they were like for so long it had become um taboo to be arrested and then you know it made you a bad black person and not one of the good ones But that also stifled you from being able to express yourself and to stand up against oppression. So instead, they embraced it. It was like, yeah, I got arrested, but what did I get arrested for? I got arrested for speaking out against oppression, for speaking out against racism, for fighting for my right to live, breathe, and be an American. And I think that that is kind of where we need to be, and that's kind of where I see us going where all of these protesters are like, you know what, if you want to arrest me, if you want to detain me, if you want to do whatever you want to do, fine, because I'm right, you're wrong, and I will literally go to prison and go to my grave fighting for this cause. Yeah, just because Suge Knight and Rosa Parks both have mugshots does not mean they're the same. Exactly. That's (laughs) such a weird way, but a very accurate way of putting that. (laughs) Um, Yo, what conversations, what fun conversations have you had with white people? Um, In all honesty, I haven't really been having conversations with white people. I mean, honestly, I've had a lot of people come up and be like, what resources can I have? Or, you know, how could I be better? And I've, you know, pointed them towards... I have to tell you about what my experiences have been. Because okay, go ahead. I have two facets where I've had social media response and like personal friend response. The social media response has been a mixed bag, all positive for the most part. But the thing I tend to get are either white people apologizing. I don't need that. I don't want that. I'm not, I don't answer for all black people. White people asking me how they can be better, which I understand, but I still don't like having to be the voice for black people. We're not a monolith. What By I the think way, is better. May I respond. Think. I respond to that with Google. Like when everyone's like, yeah. "How can I be better?" <laughs> I send them a Google link that says how to be better. <laughs> <laughs> Brilliant. Um, the other thing is just like people 
um, you know, genuinely like curious and like people wanting to know and ask questions. And sometimes it can be very irritating to explain to white people why racism is racism. You know what I mean? It's like you've been around for a while, right? Like you grew up in the same country I did. Like, why do I have to explain this? But I've noticed I've really had to work on my patience because I have to remember, like, I can't punish people for what they don't know. This is an educating moment. This is a learning moment. And instead of being this angry black man, you know, who is responding in a negative way to people who are genuinely trying to help, I have to remind myself to step back. Don't be so annoyed that they haven't fucking realized what we've gone through for the last forever. Um, and just kindly and patiently answer their questions. So that's been a thing I've been working on social media-wise. And see, Um, I think for me, my response to that has been – here are resources. Do the research yourself. Because like you said, I'm I'm someone who – I consider myself very patient and I have – um, a lot of friends who I'm willing to walk and kind of even, if need be, handhold through a difficult concept. But there's just so much information out there that I'm like, if you haven't done a bare minimum Google search, if you haven't watched 13th or you haven't watched literally any black biopic ever any black biopic ever if you haven't looked at youtube um there are you haven't heard of rap music exactly what are we doing here like there should be no there's i'm sure there's probably an episode of the magic school bus that covered like we there are there's content There's content out there. And so I don't want to be the person who has to explain it to you because especially from what I can tell, you already know. What you want to know is Are you doing enough? Exactly. You, here's the pat on the back. You're exactly. Done. Exactly. Yo, there's so much like dumb bullshit ways that people are trying to like socially you know, engage in this conversation. Um, I got a next door, which is the app that you can, it's like social yeah. media for your neighbors. Yeah. A next door response saying that like, Hey, at 9 PM tonight, we're all going to shine a flashlight for exactly <laughs> this many minutes to honor the death. And I'm like, what fucking good does that do? Except for a bunch of rich white people standing on their own property, shining a flashlight to nowhere, patting themselves on the back because they did it for black lives. Get the fuck out of here. Thank you. I saw this group of white people went and like they were all apologizing as a group for their whiteness. And I'm like, what the fuck is that? No black person is trying to ask for all white people to get on the ground and say, I'm sorry. Fuck I that. don't want an apology. Just care. make it better. Yes. <laughs> make it Just better. Make it better change change like change the way you vote change the way it feels like a relationship like with like with a shitty boyfriend that's like don't worry baby i won't hit you again i've changed exactly happens again and he's like no baby i'm sorry this time for real for real that's (laughs) america (laughs) absolutely that's america and it was really funny because i saw someone point out that the at this point in time if you're listening to this all four officers were charged which by the way it took an entire week to get all four officers charged and i was like it we had thousands of people arrested we had millions of dollars of damage done and riots and all this other stuff and all that anyone asked was for you to arrest charge and prosecute the four officers and america was like no and i was like this is insane but and you know what because they took so long it stopped becoming about this one case and became about all the cases until we see 
like real change in how policing is done in this country, I don't expect our voices to be silent. Um, and we've gotten apologies from different police captains and you have Barack Obama come out to try to soothe black anxiety. And it's like, after all of that, Nothing has changed. Absolutely not. Not one law has been put in place. Not one regulation has been applied. No. Where's my community-run review board? Where yeah, are my you. you know police records being made public to the communities? Not one police union has been brought in and adjusted their uh, bylaws. Like none of this has ha- nothing has changed at this point in time. As you were saying, it's all been lip service. It's all been symbolic and that does nothing for the cause speaking of symbolism that doesn't really go anywhere i want to talk about barack obama's response to this because although obviously obama is a treasure a dream of a president that i would kill to have back in the white house uh, when it comes to what he did specifically for the black community um it wasn't a it wasn't a lot I mean, you know, Ferguson and Flint happened when Barack Obama was president. We can't forget this. And, um, you know, it's one of those things where he meant something that wasn't for us. Like it was it was the incremental change America needed to have this, you know, mixed president in the White House to say, like, oh, racism's over because we elected one. You know, I don't know if it was counterproductive to the to, to the movement or what. But, you know, this white backlash that's followed it has really shown how little he accomplished for us while he was in office. And so for him to say, like, guys, don't riot, just hope that it gets better. It's going to get better. I don't really think that's the message that resonates with me as a black man, personally. Absolutely. So it's funny because I literally saw this week someone comment, if America is racist, how did Barack Obama get elected twice? And I was like, that in and of itself is everything you need to know about America. They were like, we gave you one out of 45. I don't understand what the problem is. Since that one, we have brought back Nazis, Police brutality has increased. We are taking away everyone's right. We're overreaching. Black people have been the number one category of deaths during this pandemic. But we gave you a president for eight years. I don't understand what the problem is. Also, one one quick thing I want to say about Barack before we move on. When I think about Barack Obama, I think about Barack in a cabinet that is very white. Mm-hmm. As much as Barack was the first black president, he didn't bring anyone else into the cabinet that was able, you know, enough diversity that you would be like, oh, wow, that's a really diverse group. That's a reflection of America. I don't feel that way at all about the cabinet of Barack Obama. So that's what makes me as a black person think twice about the contributions he gave to us. Well, Barack in general, he did what I believe was smart at the time, but not – turns out – made no real difference, which was he played by the rules. He did it incrementally. He was made sure that his first term was like, look, I'm the good kind of black guy. Um, I That's have everyone's mind. Best. And That's then, what he needed to accomplish was to literally not fuck up. We just needed the first black president to not fuck up so they'd let us have another one. And he <laughs> did that. And I'm happy with that. Exactly. But as you said, there was a lot in terms of black issues and black Americans, he has done very little more than be symbolic about the progress that we could make and give the nation an example of how much they were holding us back. I was not surprised 
when Barack said what he said about nonviolence. And I mean, he I will give him this. He did remind everyone that America's all of America's major movements were done by protest. It's called the American Revolution. And yeah. I think that that was really important. Um, I also did not expect him to endorse the riots at all. But to say that we need to vote, it's like, it's not just that we need to vote. These riots are very important. Why? Because they hit white America where they are the most. That's the best part of these fucking riots, bro. The Okay, so obviously we learned as a people after LA and all these other places, like, hey, we can't have riots in our communities. It's going to fuck us up in the long run. They are taking these in protests to Beverly Hills. Whole Foods got broken into. Apple stores having I can't breathe spray painted on the window. It's amazing. It's amazing. Yeah, and I read up on that, and they were saying that it was very tactical. And it was, as you said, it was a lesson learned from the LA riots. And they were like, it's important to do this. Why? I saw the response be like, why are you doing this? We've never done anything, blah, blah, blah. We'll get to that in a moment. I want to go down that road. But what um, I thought was interesting was they were like, that was the entire reason why we went to these locations because so many people especially uh people who also are marginalized groups i.e gay men and hispanics and other people of color see it as a black thing and they feel like they can view it from afar and criticize from afar but they don't expect it to ever show up to their doorstep so by Is this bringing not like the plot of us and parasite actually happening <laughs> This world is like the plot of some <laughs> weird television movie. Bro, when I saw that Rodeo Drive had cracked windows and Black Lives Matter spray painted, I I was uh, I I leaped with glee at the idea that writing was done correctly. Like we finally figured it out. We're not going to burn the mom and pop shop down the street. We're going to go to target. <laughs> like we're going to hit these corporations so that these people feel pressure to apply actual chains to policy and to regulations because they have a position of power. We live in an oligarchy. Let's hurt these people where like it really hurts, which is their pockets. And by bringing it to their pockets, you're able to let them see how it directly affects them. I mean, I think what's really important to me is there are all of these people who were like, well, what about the small business? And what about this? It's like, you're still talking about items. If you, anything that you bring up to me is another item when we're protesting about someone's life on the line, then you're missing the point and you are part of the problem. And I think that that's something that a lot of people needed to be reminded that every single Every single thing that was trashed, stolen, graffitied, all of it was in response to the loss of a human life by police brutality. And police brutality has increased as a response to the peaceful protests that were saying, please stop trying to kill us. I also love how police brutality is getting such a uh, magnifying glass on it now that it's being done to white people yeah <laughs> like this is something that like when I, I in all fairness i get my news from twitter not the news so i know i'm seeing something different than like <laughs> the people i used to go to church with in florida are 
But, you know, I'm seeing police really are going after these peaceful protesters in a very aggressive way. I'm, I'm seeing videos of this, you know what I mean? And it's happening to people who are all colors, just pe- allies who are enjoying the fight. Um, but it's happening to everyone now. So it really is a conversation that is not about, you know, how police are treating black people. It's how police are treating people. Because when the conversation stops being about, um, oh, police are treating black people badly – um, you know, because if you're not black, you don't give a shit, really. Yeah, exactly. You feel bad, but it doesn't affect you personally. Exactly. But when, when it stops being police are treating black people badly, police are treating people badly. Suddenly, people start to care more. So I'm just happy to see that being somewhat of an outcome of this as well. The viewpoint of the journalists has shifted because originally when the journalists were covering or whenever they would cover situations like this protests or Black Lives Matter or anything, it took the side of the police. But now that journalists are being attacked and journalists are being pepper sprayed and being handcuffed and arrested and all of these things alongside people who are protesting. Men, women, children. Exactly. Because they are experiencing it, the viewpoint of the media has shifted to one ones of victims of police brutality rather than observers. And I think that that's very important. Also, the police brutality part of this is... It's one thing, I will say, to see it done to an individual, but to see it done to a mass group of people. All across the country, like not in just one place. And the best part about it is it's showcasing how much of a national problem this is, where there's not isolated cases of police going after peaceful protesters in Boston or New York. Like it's happening in small neighborhoods. It's happening in rural areas. It's happening in 50 states. So like it highlights how much of a national emergency the police are. As we said earlier, we just went through an entire pandemic. And during that time, the government, the American government was like, I don't know what to tell you. We couldn't have been prepared. We can't rally that quickly. Um, it's hard. And then when, the, when it became when black people started to set and shit on fire, they got their police together real fast. Uh, like a militarized um uh, police force showed up all across the country and all within less than a week. And it was insane to watch, especially since, again, having just been through a pandemic, we saw people march up into a federal building with AK-47s yelling at police haircuts. And there was no response. America is quick to act on white frustration but when it comes to black or people of color demanding the right to live um that's when they for some reason get violent can we talk about what a little bitch president trump's been about this whole thing like absolutely this dude hide in a bunker i've seen him put a fence up around the white house like he is such a little bitch about this like he essentially kicked black people off of his lawn like he is so um, frustratingly racist in a way that is so undeniable at this point. And I really hope, I hope that people who are deciding to post their black squares can see what the president's doing, but I really have little faith in that because I live in America. <laughs> it is, it, I would say that the most disheartening part of all of this is knowing that there is a possibility um, that nothing will change. And 
Yeah, I, I have, have to a, believe. I have a 400 year track record, bro. What are you exactly. talking about? It's almost guaranteed nothing's going to change. It's almost guaranteed that nothing will change. And I mean, the good news is historically speaking when we have this type of uprising there is a shift um but almost equally um that shift isn't always in the direction that we want it to go or if there is change the republicans and the conservatives find a way or a loophole to make things go from bad to worst and only time will tell Yo, I have a question for you. What do you think about the national, uh, the international response to this? Like Japan protesting, screaming "fuck the police" in, in the streets. London having protests. Germany, like, it's incredible that the whole world is saying, "America, we're done with your racist bullshit." Well, yeah. Well, I think what's interesting about that is someone pointed out. All fifty states had protests. All fifty states can't agree on anything no (laughs) but we can agree that police brutality and the way that black people are treated in this country is just unacceptable and for years other countries anyone who's traveled will tell you that other countries look how we treat african americans and they're like honestly i don't get it it doesn't seem worth it to me yes you have a 24-hour grocery store but also a black person could die for parking in front of a hydrant so you know it's like yeah you know what i sometimes i sometimes have beef with the way other countries talk about us because like they didn't have to go through the growing pains that we had all of them integrated after the age of reason you know what i mean (laughs) like they didn't have to like they weren't forced to live next to people they hated and if that's the case then they're still at war we're we're talking about like like the middle east and all this shit where people are constantly at war because they hate living next to each other yeah that's essentially what america's been it's been this constant war of people who hate living next to each other and I just want to say, y'all brought us here. <laughs> oh, my God. So, all right. So, thank you for saying that. America never likes to reckon with its past. It doesn't like to reckon with it. It doesn't like to acknowledge it. It spent a good chunk of its history trying to burn most of it. Exactly. America just does not own up to any of its mistakes. Most other countries, when they've had wrongdoing or um, human rights violations at some point in time, even if it was in the last 20 years, they've been able to make amends and be like, you know what? We fucked up. That was our bad. Go to South Africa. Go to Germany. Talk to them about the history of their countries. People are hip to that shit, bro. In Germany, they have like, you know, these public plaques that tell you where Holocaust events happened and, you know, where, you know, uh, Nazis, you you know, committed these horrendous acts. Like everyone is aware of what the country did and because of that they're a better off country us we've spent so much time trying to burn evidence of race riots that we have we can't advance we we, we can't learn from our mistakes when we keep erasing them exactly in germany it is illegal to have any nazi paraphernalia it is illegal to spout any of nazi rhetoric whereas in america we have confederate statues we have museums and flags confederate statues are so fucking frustrating because that's literally like the like it's not american it's the opposite of america it's a country that wanted to break off and destroy america it's so frustrating to talk about it absolutely and that brings me to my next point which is the whole idea of like you brought us here i had someone who i went to college with 
I wouldn't say we're like the closest friends, but I went to college friends and we were in the same circle. And he posted on my wall, if you don't like it, why not just leave? And I gave a very PC answer and I, you know, just informed him. But then later on, I thought about it and I responded again and I was like, I am the descendant of slaves, and I am able to trace my lineage back and prove that I and my ancestors have been in this nation way longer than you (laughs) and your ancestors. So for you to tell me to go back where I came from when you yourself and your line has not even been on this soil for as long as my family has worked this soil is hilarious. Bro, that's 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 half of it. Black people do not have any country of origin. Black people all are descendants of one continent. That's like taking someone from Juneau, Alaska, in Miami, Florida, and being like, "Y'all are the same." No, that's <laughs> not how that works. We are from the biggest continent on earth. We may have a few differences from time to time, but all of us are lumped together as one thing, and we have no country of origin. We have no culture that we've brought from other countries to this country this country is our home more than anyone else's native americans and black people are the only people who can say that this is a hundred percent their own home because black people african americans don't exist anywhere else in the world i don't want to say insane or unheard of but the audacity the caucasity of the individuals <laughs> of individuals to tell black people of any descendants to go back where they came from and America is ridiculous because America is built by black people on stolen land from native people by white people who brought over black people because they didn't want to work the land. So it's ridiculous. One of the things I was going to tell you earlier was, you know how, I don't know, I don't feel like this happens as much anymore, but when I was a kid, I remember hearing these stories about how like, like a Vietnam vet would just like lose their shit one day and just go postal or something. Do you ever used to hear stories about Vietnam vets just go like losing their shit? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean, that's kind of what the whole premise of Rambo, the first Rambo. A hundred percent, yeah. If you watch the first Rambo, that's exactly what I'm talking about. And the reason why I'm bringing that up is because I want white people to understand that all black people have a PTSD, that they have been a part of a civil war for forever, that This is something that when we see something in the news or whatever, we're all dealing with it like severe trauma of like someone from a refugee from Syria watching footage of their homes getting destroyed. Like black neighborhoods have been bombed and destroyed. Black neighborhoods have been completely wiped out by lynch mobs. This has happened. There's historical proof of this. So like I feel like when I get questions from people being like, how you feeling? I don't always know what to say, and I'm not going to apologize for it. I just want you guys to know why I don't always know what to say, and why I'm sure a lot of Black people don't always know what to say in moments like this. My answer has always been, I'm managing. That's where I'm at. It's like, I'm not I'm not doing terrible because I'm in a very fortunate position, um, but I'm also not doing great because like the amount of mental work that has to be done to get up every day and constantly hear people still argue when your only your only request is to 
be unbothered and exist without threat of being killed. And there's still debate. And it's not even debate with like locals. It's debate with the government. It's very taxing. And so I'm, I'm managing. One thing I want to say too, is that like, there's tons of ways where people can get involved. One way to get involved is to protest. Other ways are to, you know, donate. Some ways are to, you know, phone bank or data entry. Like, there's a ton of ways you can get involved. But one thing I will say is that if you're black in America, you just living and striving is an act of resistance. You don't got to do anything. Nothing. Do you, boo-boo? Absolutely. Right? This is white people's mess, and they are honestly the ones who are going to have to fix this because we are sick of their shit. So we're calling them out. We're getting them on the field. They need to talk to each other about racism. I'm sick of white people talking to me about racism. I know all about this shit. You guys are just realizing this for the first time, like you saw 12 Years of Slave that were in awe. <laughs> um, that's a conversation that they need to have amongst themselves. You do you. You don't feel any pressure to respond a certain way or do anything, but just like get through it. And that's definitely how I'm responding to this, which is, as you said, I am not under any pressure to educate anyone or do anything for anyone. If you're Black, you should not, under any circumstances, feel like you are the one. In the world of Google, when we have all the resources that are possible at anyone's fingertips at a moment, I am in the mindset of cleanup on aisle racism. It's not my mess. It's not my job. I'll let you know that it's there, and then go about my business because in all honesty it's just it's exhausting it's exhausting for us guys we've been through this consistently every day since we got here exactly you know there's a great quote i see online that says we've had skin in this fight for as long as we've had skin we don't need to do anything else oh my god that's fantastic i mean and it's it's accurate because i had a friend who they had to have a conversation with their two-and-a-half-year-old. Their son is two-and-a-half years old, and he saw footage of his father being pinned down by the police during a protest, and they had to have that conversation. And I was like, two-and-a-half. So I don't want to hear about how your children are too young. I don't want to hear how you at 25 have sensitive sensibilities, and it's just too much. Deal with it. Because we've literally been dealing with it since birth. One of the stories I want to point out that I was talking talking about recently on social media was um, the civil rights activist Fred Hampton, who at 21 years old got killed in his sleep by the Chicago Police Department. His, like, how many month old baby was there? Like, yeah. black trauma doesn't care how old you are. Absolutely. Like, this, we've always had to face this head on. We've, our parents have always had to hard pedal the real and tell us, hey, when a cop pulls you over, you're basically in danger. And that's a conversation we've always had, we've always been a part of, especially you and I growing up in the 90s after Rodney King, like, this was so in our face um, that I just feel like it was, we've always grown up with it. I had to have conversations with my younger male cousins. Like I called all of them and I had a conversation about what to do with the police and how to, how they feel about everything that's going on. Cause it's also one thing I will say is it's important to check in on black children because they are watching this world around them. And we're a little bit better off because we've had time and adult minds to process it but children who are black all they see is the existence that they are hated for nothing more than their skin tone um kind of to wrap this up i am getting more and more in favor of abolishing the police department altogether there is so many 
um, studies and so much data that show that it does more more harm than good. And um, I'll read what I wrote a little bit earlier, which is to say that being a cop is a noble profession, but it's just that, a profession. Even if you consider it a calling, it is a call you can ignore. You sign up to be a cop, you train to be a cop, you get paid to be a cop, you're protected by the law when you're a cop, you get a pension for being a cop, you clock out from being a cop, and you can quit being a cop. None of these things apply to being black. So please stop equating a high-risk career with a high-risk existence. The more I learn, the more I'm reminded that American police system is one rooted in racism and oppression. There is not a single function a cop does that would not be better suited for an efficiently and well-funded social worker. If you are a cop or you know someone who is a good cop, then every good cop should join the efforts to reform the police system and reward officers with who do the right things and hold those who do the wrong things accountable. If somehow accountability is upsetting, ask yourself why. And that's where I'm at. No justice, no peace. I am highly, highly in favor of everything that's going on because it is getting attention and it, we were really, really showing America that they value quiet they value property and they value the potential to get a dollar, not even an actual dollar, the potential yeah. to get a dollar more than black lives. And um, enough is enough. Bro, I can't be more Malcolm about my response to all of this. I agree with literally everything you said, and I'm just ready, like, burn it all down. And I mean that metaphorically more than actually, but, like, if you got to do it actually to get it done <laughs> metaphorically, I'm fine with that, too. Like, I'm done seeing black people die every day. Like, when are we all just going to be done seeing that? If this hasn't angered you to the point where you want to set a cop car on fire, I have links for you. <laughs> like, educate yourself, like CJ said, because if you're not mad, you're not paying attention. Absolutely. And so I am paying attention, and I'm mad as hell. And if a few targets got to get taken out, then so be it, Tarjay. You're done. You're out. Black Lives Matter. And I'm sick of the sales on aisle three. I'm setting this shit on. <laughs> <laughs> well, what's really funny is the CEO of Target was like, every single thing in that store could be replaced. Keep it up. And so if Target themselves understand, because there was a lot of damage done in WeHo, but by the next morning, the WeHo Starbucks was back up and running. And that goes to show you that capitalism will be just fine. America will be just fine. You know who will not be just fine? The person who just got choked out by the police. So. Yeah. Um, Someone's not going to see their dad ever again. Someone's not going to see their mom ever again. Their sister, their their kid. Like it's such like it doesn't matter at all what gets stolen or what catches on fire. It's a thing. Exactly. And if you value things more than you value human life, you need to look yourself in the mirror and ask why. I will end um, my part at least with um, a quote from Fannie Lou Hammer, who I don't know if you Fuck saw. Love. Yeah. But I loved the part where she was like, they know what they've done to us all around this country. They know what they've done to us. And that to me is so apt because. If you talk to a single white person in America and you ask them if they were willing to trade places with a black person, they will absolutely tell you no. And that's because every single person in this country, white, black, Asian, 
gay, straight, all of them understand that to be a black person in America is one of the toughest situations to be in and one of the most dangerous situations to be in um, anywhere in America, let alone very specific spots. So I, I, one of my favorite quotes of hers too, is that infamous. I'm so sick and tired of being so sick and tired or whatever it is. Like, yeah, that's just the embodiment of what it is to be black in this moment. Like I'm just sick and tired of, of everything of, of, of this, of seeing it, of having to have these conversations, of having to explain why we matter. Like, I'm just, I'm sick of it. So like whatever needs to happen, let it happen, bro. We were literally sick. There was an entire pandemic for, three months right before all of this. And then we have to watch a conversation that we've been having for centuries go on and things try to go back to normal. And I was like, we are literally sick and tired of being sick and tired. Tell them. Tell them. <laughs> okay. Um, guys, I know this isn't our typical Boy Meets World conversation, but I want to thank you for having it with us. You know, we tend to talk about a lot of uh, social justice matters in our podcast. That's where the bruh and bruh meets world comes from, of us seeing some shit that don't age well and going bruh. And <laughs> that's kind of what we're having with life right now. And I think that this conversation especially is so big and so important that it warranted us uh, making this episode. And as we were saying earlier, if you are not black and you find yourself asking what more can I do, as TC mentioned, there are things you can volunteer, there's donations you can give. Um, but most importantly, educate yourself and educate those around you. Yes, um, white people. The best way you can be an ally is to have tough conversations with other white people. Ask them about their history of personal bias. Watch American history documentaries. Have conversations with your kids, your grandparents, right? uncles everyone like you guys talking is the thing that's going to elicit the most change overall in the nation is by having these tough conversations at the dinner table at thanksgiving your fucking cookouts whatever it is you know ha asking people you know what experiences do you have with personal bias with racism with you know how have we benefited from being white it's not enough to recognize white privilege if you're not willing to give it up like we have to to talk about this so i mean that's what i really encourage that and then also um in addition to everything else vote i mean it is not all of this or vote you have to do both you have to vote um for people who are willing to do police reform you have to vote for individuals who are willing to make progress and you have to vote for more people of color and people who um have marginalized viewpoints um yeah, whoever whoever ends up running against Trump, um, we got to vote for him. Absolutely. Okay, so um, that do we, do we do we does the Democratic Party have anyone yet? Or are they still figuring it out? Uh, we're leaning closer and closer to it. Um, and because uh, I haven't seen anyone like a leader in the Democratic Party like recently. So oh, I was you just, want a leader in the Democratic Party? Yeah, like someone who's trying to be president. I want them to show the fuck up and tell me why. Uh, Again, if you want a leader, then you came to the wrong country. We have a lot of talking heads, if, if that'll help. Yeah, I want opinions about how other people aren't leading well instead of leaders. That's the answer. <laughs> anyway. Okay, you guys, uh, that that's it for us. Um, come back next week where we'll have some of your regular programming. Continue to listen. Continue to um, rate us on Spotify, iTunes, Stitcher, Apple, all of the places. Um, you can find me 
Speaking up for social justice at Extra Siege, that's X-E-R-A-C-E-E-J on Twitter. Uh, TC? You can find me patiently educating white people at a braver me at dot braver dot me on Instagram. And if you guys want to engage in this conversation with us, I don't know why you would, but if you want to talk to us about this, we're always down. You know, we have a pretty open book policy here when it comes to conversations and topics. So if you have questions or whatever, um, we might feel free to answer you or we might send you a Google link. Exactly. Uh, If I'm willing to talk to you about a 90s sitcom for more than an hour, then I am willing to talk to you about ways to improve this society. Um, But as TC said, if you come with some dumb shit, I'm going to send you a link. So (laughs) remember to dream, try, and do better. Do better. Yeah, do better. All of us. Every single one of you. Do better. All right. Later, bros. Later.